ever feel unable to focus, tired, and just low on energy, we understand that feeling. We understand it so well that the Feeling Dangerous podcast and Couch Guy Sports Network is happy to be sponsored by our friends over at Shocked Energy. Shocked Energy is a drink made by gamers for gamers. All their flavors compact with 100 milligrams of caffeine to ensure that no matter what you're doing, your focus will always be razor sharp to keep you performing at the top of your game. Their formulas are designed to give you high energy boosts when you need it most while avoiding the jitters after too much caffeine consumption. Head over to www.shockedenergy.com and use the promo code CGSN, that's CGSN, today for 10% off your entire order. Check out their green apple flavored box or even their watermelon flavored box. And don't worry, they ship worldwide. That's right, worldwide. Get your Shocked Energy today and let us help you gain your focus and energy back. And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Welcome back to a non-victory episode here of the Feeling Dangerous podcast. I am Tyler Johnson, and I am joined by a full crew once again. Um, Jack Ro- Jack Robinson, Zach DeFranco, and the producer Peter Nab. Gentlemen, it's been a rough day. How are we doing today? <sighs> I'm struggling. <laughs> uh, yeah. What are the Browns' playoff chances at this point? That's the big question. Playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? Can we take this one negative story as a, at a time, please? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just, just one step at a time here. Remember, the Feeling Dangerous podcast is proud to be part of the Couch Guy Sports Network. Want to tune in um, to couchguysportsnetwork.com for all your latest NFL coverage. And as always, this episode is brought to you by Jack Scott over at Renewal by Anderson. They have been Ohio's window and patio door experts for over 117 years and earned the J.D. Power Award for customer satisfaction. Just another reason to call Jack today at 440-226-6224. That's 440-226-6224. Gentlemen, Halloween, the Browns did not get any candy this year as they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers 15-10 to in really what was a kind of a boring game. Um, there was not a lot of offense. The Browns fall to 4-4, four and four, uh, lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They currently last in the division ranked 10th in the AFC. We're going to take this one step at a time, talking about all sides of the ball, but really just off um, off the game on Sunday, what really disappointed you with this team? Uh, I, I mean, uh. ev- everything kind of did. I mean, obviously, I mean, a lot of people can point to just one part, but this was really like a failure on all accounts by every unit on the field. I know I'm not going to get really too hard on the defense because they did hold – the Steelers to 15 points, but holding holding the Steelers to 15 points this year is like holding any other team to 30 points. It's not it's not a very good look. The offense was sluggish. They couldn't get anything done. The coaching was questionable on all accounts. The players were not performing to what we know that they can perform to, especially against a vulnerable uh, Steelers secondary. Really, this was just a bad game in every. Th- this might have been probably one of the worst games that the Browns have played when they had like a full offensive line, all their receivers, mm-hmm. uh, Nick Chubb playing like, this is just a bad game. Yeah. And it really makes you wonder like what's, what's really going on. Cause 
I just saw a lack of motivation. The body language looked terrible out there. It's just there's just a lot going on that we need to get down to. Yeah, and and Jack, you mentioned having a full offensive line that lasted for a couple, maybe just about two quarters. Yeah, until Jack Conklin left with a dislocated elbow, and Coach Stefanski said he will be out several weeks. Another huge <laughs> loss for the Browns, and the Browns overall, besides. And again, even Baker Mayfield was not perfect, but you could make the argument Baker Mayfield and uh, Miles Garrett were the two players that really showed up on Sunday. Outside of that, yeah. it the team really didn't look that good. And even Dearness Johnson, who was only given four touches, and that's something we'll get into more when we discuss the offensive side of the ball. There were a very few players that showed up, and I, I loved the fact – first, I, I want to talk about something positive. I loved Baker Mayfield in this game. He didn't do anything that hurt this team. I mean, he took some sacks, of course. That's going to happen. It, it just it is. But also that offensive line just did not play well at all. And even before Jack Conklin got hurt, it, it just didn't look good. So I don't know what the issue is there. But Baker Mayfield, 20 of 31, 225 yards, didn't turn it over. He didn't have a touchdown, took four sacks. But six of those incompletions were drops. Baker Mayfield did everything he could to win for win this game for the Cleveland Browns. And really, just the guys around him, I don't know if you guys how you guys feel about this. The guys around him just didn't show up on Sunday. That that's really how no, I saw it. No, it, it was terrible. The offense looked completely flat. It looked like there was no motivation, no fire under their ass to, you know, get going. It it just looked on all accounts terrible. And it actually was, like Jack said earlier, a good defensive game for us. Because usually our offense puts up 30 to 40 points. And we held them to 15. I, it, it just looked terrible. And what was so weird too is, I mean, if you think about it, Pittsburgh. I mean, Pittsburgh didn't have a, a kicker for a lot of the game, you know. Yeah, seriously. And, and you still still couldn't get the win. I don't. I, I don't know. I mean, it's obvious. It's obvious that the that the offense is looking at two different playbooks. Baker's doing what what he what he can, but he he's not on the same page with his receivers a lot of the time. And, and it just looks like he's completely lost all that uh, swag. Well, well, not uh, I wouldn't say that he's lost all the uh, you know all the swagger. I mean, we saw that we saw that one. That no, one. yeah, we, we we saw him. We saw him get hit out of bounds late, and him get yeah. up and go, you know, full Baker mode right there. And I, yeah. he's still there. It's still Baker Mayfield. He's still our franchise quarterback. I just want to know what's going on. Is Stefanski, you know, do you think he's game planning around that shoulder? Because that's the only thing that comes to my mind when it comes to like him not taking any shots anymore. Is Baker worried to take more shots because of his shoulder? Like it's a serious injury guys that he's it going is. through. So I just don't get it. F fans are like dog and Baker for not taking these shots. But most of those plays that, you know, where he was taking those big shots last year, Stefanski's offense where he was rolling out to the left and dropping that left shoulder and throwing it deep. I don't think he, he can't can do, do right that now. now. And that's the issue now with this brace. It's supposed to stabilize his shoulder to where he really can't move it. That is going to be part of the issue. But, Pete, I, I kind of have to disagree with you, man. I don't think Baker's really lost any of the swagger, any of that with the, his receivers. And, of course, it's the big topic we're going to discuss later is Odell Beckham Jr. But, man, I'm telling you, he looks pretty good with – pretty much every wide receiver. I, I don't see a big disconnect, and there really wasn't on Sunday. I mean, Jarvis Landry had a couple drops. Uh, Rashard Higgins, all, these guys are supposed, to be, are supposed to be guys who are known as possession receivers. Rashard Higgins had a drop. Austin Hooper, I don't know what more to say about Austin Hooper. I truly just want oh. the guy gone, too, because he just drops at least one a game, I feel like. And 
But Austin Hooper, Rashard Higgins. He dropped a touchdown last week. I, yeah. I, I, I mean, I think the pass that, that would have been a touchdown, I think that that could have been a better throw by Baker, though. Like, like I'm not going to just say no, that, that it wasn't. No, like, I'm not going to say, it. like, he shouldn't have caught it. Like, obviously, you should have caught it. Obviously, you should have caught yeah. it. But he was wide open. He could like Baker could have just put a little less touch on it. Would have been perfectly fine. It would have well, been an easy Baker walk was throwing, in. Baker was I, I get it, and I get too. it. But that's kind of part of the that's kind of part of the issue right now. Is that he, Baker Baker's ability to to hit people in stride or to get make the easy throw sometimes is is causing issues for this offense. In my in my opinion, like there were multiple times mm-hmm. through the, throughout this game where. You had Najoku breaking off and getting getting past this defender, and Baker would take the easy the easy throw. And I know that that's po- that's partially just because of the system that we're in right now, where he's injured. They don't want him to uh, to hold the ball too long and get sacked and hit and put unnecessary uh, stress on the shoulder. But I think that we also have to expect that at some point, either Baker or Kevin has to actually try and make these big plays because it just doesn't seem like we're trying to even make big plays right now. It just seems like we're going with a very yeah. vanilla safe offense. But here's well, the what thing. it looks like. But if, if you hear what Stefanski said in the latest press conference, he said our offense is ran from first read, which is the deep shot down. So he basically just said like Baker's just not taking those shots. I, I just don't think Baker's comfortable taking shots right now. But and and here's the other thing with that too. It's not just Baker. I mean, you put Case Keenum in there. He can't get the ball down the field either. So I mean, so at that point, yeah, no, no, I'm just saying a healthy no, Baker no, taking I'm just shots adding. that he's not taking right now. Oh yeah, and I'm just yeah. adding to the point to those fans that say, well, and I have seen it in Dustin Fox, who I used, I have a lot of respect for him. I mean, I still think he's a good analyst, but the comment saying you think this offense would look a lot better with Case Keenum on Sunday, I don't really know how you say <laughs> that because Case Keenum's not throwing the ball 50 yards down the field. He's just not doing it. Baker Mayfield just has a bad shoulder right now. To me. He looks like he's in sync with his – like on the passing game, he's able to get the guys the ball. But on Sunday, to me, you had crucial drops and turnovers when you did not need them. And that wasn't anything that's on like Baker Mayfield – on Baker Mayfield. Of course there are more plays he could make down the field. I completely agree with you, Jack, and I saw him too. It's at this point though, it's quite clear the way that shoulder is stabilized. He can't get that ball. He can't do that. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Like, I, I'm serious. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But it looks like he just he can't push that ball down the field. And at this point, he still is better an option than Case Keenum because Baker can still get out and be mobile. Case Keenum can't even do that. No, understand. I I I'm I agree with you that I'm not saying that Baker is being detrimental. He threw a freaking hail mary pass that was like 60 yards in the air against the Cardinals. He can get it down the field. He he. He got the distance when he was trying to chuck it to Odo Beckham Jr. at like the five yard line. He had the distance for it. It's just that either the timing's off, or he's scared from the pressure, or he's just he's not. It's not his first option. I don't know if it really is his first option. I don't know if, if we're really allowing these things to develop in the way that maybe Stefanski wants them to, or that Baker is expecting them to. There's obviously a big issue with communication in terms of like what the receivers are expecting, what Baker's expecting, what Kevin's expecting, and it's causing issues on the offense. And I just don't, and I and it's kind of weird how it's almost getting worse week to week when it should be getting better. Part of that too, and I agree with you that hail mary. But what we have to take into consideration, I believe if I stand correct, when J.J. Watt hit that shoulder, that was in the third quarter, I believe, of that Arizona game. That created then the humorous fracture on top of um, the torn labrum. I agree. He still, I I believe, can still somewhat push it. But I think truly he's just hindered at this point. 
but the Browns clearly believe in Stefanski. I bet you clearly believes Baker's still the best option to get this team to the playoffs, regardless if he's playing at 60-70% over healthy Case Keenum. Because if, if they believe Case Keenum was good enough to get this team to the playoffs, I believe he'd firmly be the starting quarterback right now. Yeah. Do they clearly still think that Baker's Baker's the guy, but we have to dig into this a little bit more because the Browns only ran the ball 22 times on Sunday. Nick Chubb, 16 carries, 61 yards, only averaged 3.8 yards a carry. Dearness Johnson, four carries, 22 yards, 5.5 yards a carry, one touchdown. Uh, Jarvis Landry had a carry, Baker Mayfield, and Demetrius Felton. How do you guys feel about only rushing the ball 22 times? We just got dominated at the line of scrimmage, and quite honestly, if you're doing yeah. that, you, there's not much you can do. I mean, at that point, you kind of yeah. have to abandon the run game. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. But you still have Nick Chubb back there running the ball. I, I know I'm hearing he's not even close to 100%. And if you watch the game, you can kind of tell. He was getting chased down from behind a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can kind of tell he's not 100%. But, I mean, you need to give Baker as much help as possible. And if that means, you know, running the ball three times out of, you know, 10 on, on the drive and, and setting up play-action passes, you have, to, you have to be able to set up these play-action passes for him. It's it's just not looking like the fancy offense we saw last year with Baker. It just looks like it kind of toned down a little bit. Yeah, and, and and I mean, I think that obviously Jack Conklin going out early in the game kind of changed oh, the way yeah, that, that we could Blake really – I mean, don't get me wrong. Blake Hans is really good, and he played a very good game. The he, only issue is, is, that, is that yeah, he, he you're, when you when one blocking T.J. Watt, he might not have gotten a lot of opportunities to practice at the like, at the like guard posi- or the right tackle position. Uh, for for run blocking, I mean, there's a whole bunch of different things. I, the 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 Steelers have a good rushing run stopping defense, uh, and yeah. like even Absolutely. though they, obviously they've had bad games in the past, they, they're still a good defense. Nick Chubb's not 100. percent I don't think. I, I think everyone knows that. So I, I mean, I think just all of these circumstances kind of compiled on top of each other and really kind of took the run game out of it. Even though I don't understand why we we went away from it when it was still a one possession game with like eight minutes left. I mean, we should have at least tried continued trying to get it going. It just seemed like he would run it and then we would get like two yards and then he would be like, okay, well we're going like three or four passing plays in a row. Now it just seemed kind of predictable. Do you think they want to try and get Nick Chubb in a groove? Why is it Dearness Johnson after the game he had against Denver only gets five total touches? Is it just yeah. wanting to get Nick Chubb in a groove or why do you guys think he wasn't featured that much? Yeah, that was com- that was completely shocking to me. I mean, I, I, I was I was stunned by that because because I'm like, you know, you gotta ride the hot hand. I mean, I mean he got so much confidence in that game against Denver. I think you needed to do anything you could to get some to get some semblance of of momentum and Dearness De- Johnson, you know, breaking um and breaking off a big run would have, I think would have kind of opened things up. And I, I was just waiting for, I was just waiting for the Browns to, to try that. And, and I just, I don't know. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda in this, in this game on Sunday, but I was just very surprised. They didn't run Dearness Johnson a lot more than they did, which was very shocking to me, given, given that game that they had against Denver. Could have, would have, should have is the difference what I'm talking about. The good teams don't come in and say could have. They get it done. Like, especially on like that fourth down play near the near near midfield. I'm surprised that they didn't go to Dearness Johnson. Or like it seemed like they were almost running plays for Nick for Kareem Hunt, but having Nick Chubb play them. Like we I think we all can agree that that Nick Chubb is a much more north south, like make hard cuts into into holes made by the offensive linemen and then, you know, breaking tackles. He's not really the guy that we know to like kind of 
break around the edge, even though he did do that this game. But Dearness Johnson does kind of have that skill set. And I'm kind of surprised that they tried to use Nick Chubb in that circumstance rather than use uh, Dearness Johnson. And it's especially weird because Dearness Johnson showed that he could do that on this on his on the single touchdown rush that we had. And then we basically didn't use him. They tried to use him uh, as a pass catcher out of the backfield. That didn't really turn out very well. But then they just didn't really use him at all. It, I, I think that that's kind of just a mismanaging by Stefanski. I think that he, he kind of had a missed opportunity of trying to get the run game really going with Dearness Johnson. I don't understand it either because you know Nick Chubb and he clearly didn't look 100%. That's a whole other situation. We're probably going to have to deal with the rest of the season, too, is Nick Chubb's health. But, I mean, you have Dearness Johnson. That, that he shows he can play. He needs to get the ball more. You're at a situation. Your quarterback's hurt. Your running back's hurt. Both your wide receivers are hurt. Offensive line isn't fully healthy. You have so many injuries right now. Dearness Johnson needs to start really getting more touches in this offense. And I believe if he gets more touches, the Browns will have more success. Because I, I truly believe Uranus Johnson is an, is a running back one somewhere in the NFL. It just it's just not here long term, I don't think. But he's a running back number one somewhere. He's got the talent for it. He's got the vision for it. And the Browns just need to feature him more. And another guy who I think needs to be featured more too. I don't know how you guys feel about this. I think Demetric Felton. Demetric Felton's healthy. Get the guy the ball. Yeah, it's quite clear he yeah. can make guys I, miss. So why is he not touching the football? Week week after week after week, I've been saying that. Why why are we just I don't know. I just this the fancy offense this year is just making me scratch my head, man. Because I don't. I'm, I'm obviously I believe in Stefanski. It's just we have so many playmakers, and it just feels like he's trying to spread the ball out too much. He's getting too. I guess he's out coaching himself in a sense. All right, got to get the ball to everyone at every different play. It, you got Demetri Felton. Give him the ball. He can run the plays you want to run. Don't, stop using all these playmakers as decoys. I mean, that is what it seems like too. Is you're you're seeing that a lot as players are being used. As decoys, and the biggest question for me, I know it probably is for you guys too. This wide receiver room, I mean, what do we do at this point? Jarvis Landry, five catches, 60, 65 yards, a fumble, two drops. David Njoku, three catches, 39 yards. Harrison Bryant, two for 33. Higgins, two for 27, a drop. Hooper, four for 26, and a drop. Demetrius Felton, one for 14. Chubb, one for eight. Ernest Johnson, one for seven. And Odell Beckham Jr., one catch six yards on two targets. It's clear that something isn't working here. Whether it be there's injuries, where are you guys at? And of course, we're going to get into Odell Beckham Jr. after this. Where do you guys go from here? Jarvis doesn't look 100%. OBJ clearly isn't 100%. Does David Njoku need to be the focal point of this offense in the I passing think, game? I think he does. I, I don't know what it is. Something about the way that he plays and the way, like, the when he gets open, which is a lot, actually, when, when they utilize him in this offense... He just makes plays and it's, it's crazy because he's so athletic. He's so tall. He has so, he has, he's actually done an incredible job of improving his ability to catch the ball and, and, you know, actually get yards after the catch. And for some reason, we've just gone to not really utilizing him even after he had that big game uh, against the chargers. It's, it's kind of weird, but uh, additionally, I think that one of the players that we really need to get back on the offense is Donovan Peoples Jones. Cause Donovan Peoples Jones, up until he got hurt, was one of the the highest rated uh, in terms of you know catchers for Baker Mayfield. When Baker Mayfield targeted him, he had like almost a perfect quarterback rating because he's just he has that the, the the great capability to make plays, catch the ball, get open. So I mean, I think that we really need to either see Donovan Peoples Jones come back within the next couple of weeks, or we need to start seeing our tight ends, specifically David Njoku, be used more in the pass game and not have it just be dink and dunk to Austin Hooper or just hoping that one of our wide receivers gets open. 
And Zach, real mm-hmm. quick before you jump in there, I wanted to add to that, Jack. You're mentioning David Njoku needs to be featuring this offense. He is first in yards per route run at 2.36. He's fourth in passer rating when targeted. So Baker Mayfield's averaging a quarterback rating of 132.1 when targeting David Njoku this season. He's fifth in EPA for target, and that's 0.57 through week seven. And then on top of that, he is currently the ninth highest graded tight end in the NFL, and he has eighth in receiving yards. So Kevin Stefanski's offense, Zach, it's supposed to be tight end friendly, and that's normally what we see, but yeah, why is the Chief not featured more in the offense? Why is Austin uh-uh. Hooper more of a focus than David Njoku? Because we're paying him $11 million a year. You got they're trying they're trying to make up for it. I think they're trying to force him the like not forcing the ball obviously, but they're trying. You know what I mean? They're gonna make him our number one tight end target. But no, Chief Chief. If anything, the role should be reversed. Chief deserves that money, man. He needs to be our tight end one. We're holding back our true tight end one. We're holding back a lot right now. Combined with Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham Jr., and Austin Hooper, that's thirty nine million dollars into three players. They're currently yeah. among your highest paid players on your team, and. Mm-hmm. Are not, and I'll just be blunt. I, I like Jarvis. I, I like Jarvis Landry a lot. They're just all not producing at this point. Yeah, but actually, just, um, I'm pretty sure the stats show that at at our current rate, there is no player on the Browns that is projected to get 600 yards receiving on the entire season. You're at correct. least, at least in terms of the current uh, amount that we have and where we are in the season. Does that fall on Stefanski then? Because this is uh, seems to be a trend. No, well, yeah, I think it does because, well, but here's the thing. Saying it falls on him means that, like, he's doing something wrong. But in his his system, this is the point of his system. This is something that he does everywhere he goes. Like, I I saw a statistic that before, um, before he went to the Vikings, before he was the offensive coordinator who called the plays, Adam Thielen was getting something like seven receptions a game. And then when he became the, 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 the offensive coordinator, it went down to three and Stefan Diggs, he went from like six and a half to like 2.9. And it's the same thing with our receivers. Our receivers have seen large drops in their production. I mean, Od- Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry, I'm pretty sure in 2019 had thousand yard seasons. And that's on top of, yes, of Nick did. Chubb having with like Baker a thousand yard rushing. Yeah. With, with, with bigger quarterback. And I mean, like the, we know that these guys can produce. It's obvious that it's it's the offensive scheme that is that is holding these guys back, if you want to say that, or at least just limiting what their their production looks like. I will yeah. say too, twenty nineteen was also Baker Mayfield's worst year, though, as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, it was it was just a Baker go out there and sling it around year. Yeah, they weren't really. I mean, they weren't really. Run, Freddie Kitchen. I mean, Freddie Kitchen didn't know what he was doing anyway. <laughs> but David Njoku currently is the Browns' leading receiver. Twenty catches, three hundred twenty-three yards, and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he had that seventy-one-yard touchdown um, reception against the Chargers. Okay, so we've talked about how Stefanski uh, obviously is part of the blame here, and I would agree with that too. So, with that being said. Because you guys kind of know how I feel about this. We addressed it a couple episodes ago. I think Kevin Stefanski should still call the plays because there are guys that are open and the execution just isn't there. But with what you're talking about, are you trying to get Alex Van Pelt involved as a play caller? Or what do you or you still want Coach Stefanski calling plays? Because keep in mind, the system's not going to change. Just the play calling would change. I do think that we should experiment 
with Alex Van Pelt calling some of the plays. I don't think he should completely hand it over. I don't think that he should just com- just completely ignore the play calling and just completely give it to Alex Van Pelt. I think that we should see spurts, maybe a series or two every couple of uh, every every game or two where we see what Alex Van Pelt does differently. Like how how does he approach a situation differently than Kevin Stefanski? Just to kind of see if maybe there's, you know, maybe a miscommunication, maybe they're seeing different things. Um but also, I think that Kevin might need to, you know, maybe give some more power to AVP and just give him that responsibility because Kevin kind of has to deal with a new situation now, which we're going to talk about later, which is this whole drama yep. in the locker room. So it might be out of his hands in that sense and that he might have to do that just because he needs to relegate responsibility so that he can manage this sort of boiling point that we're slowly reaching to as as the the season comes along. I'm just going to say like, yes, Stefanski, you know, obviously he ran a well, you know, profound offense with the Vikings. And when he came here the first year, the, obviously the team looked better. We went to the playoffs. It's, it's a whole different ball game. Now when you got to command a locker room and then take on the responsibility of play calling, I, I, I think it's time to give AVP a, a chance to do what we hired him to do. And that's to be the offensive coordinator. Let him go sit in the booth and call some plays. I, I I just want to see it happen. I want to see if it makes any difference. I think it's something you can definitely explore doing. I would see how things go against Cincinnati maybe. It, it's it's definitely a, ch- a change to make, I think, just given all the drama that is going on right now in the locker room with the Cleveland Browns, and that brings us to where we are today. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s father posting on Instagram an 11-minute-long YouTube video of all the times OBJ has been open and Baker Mayfield not throwing him the ball, he has liked various comments, pretty much just slamming the court, uh, Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield. It's also been reported, mind you, this came from a Dallas Cowboys insider for ESPN saying o- Odell Beckham Jr. wants out of Cleveland. He's still a Brown today. Tomorrow could be a different story because the Browns could possibly place him on IR uh, for the season. They could suspend. I mean, there's a number of things that could come about from this. Where are you guys at with Odell Beckham Jr.? Do you keep him on the roster? Do we try and make this work the rest of the year and possibly really tank the season because it's a clear divide in the locker room right now? Or are you guys trying to place him on injured reserve? What would you? How would you guys handle this situation? Where would you be? Where would you uh, begin with OBJ? What would you do with him right now? I'm so pissed off about this, guys. I'm so upset about this. I know we all are. I know a lot of fans are, but I'm all, I'm more pissed off that there's other teams. I mean, other players excuse me, involved in possibly, you know, being in on this. Um, Obviously, I personally feel like this was a setup by OBJ to be passive aggressive and to say what he wanted to say without actually saying it himself. I've been probably one of the biggest OBJ defenders for a while. And I'm and I'm just now I'm at the point where I don't. I don't see what he's contributing at all to the team, and I. And I think he's obviously hurt, hurting the team, as, as well. So you do find a way to move on from OBJ, because I. Well, it, it, that's tough, Pete, though, because obviously now the trade deadline's over. You did not move on from OBJ because obviously he has zero trade value this season, and of course, I mean, smart organizations don't want that in their locker room. This is now a common trend with OBJ. So well, smart that, organizations are going to be like, yeah, I don't really want that in my locker room. The Browns should have been one of those smart organizations because I thought that's what we were. And we should have been like, yeah, we don't want that in our locker room. So now our only hope is do we cut the guy and take on cap hit or do we put him on IR and just, you know, 
try to not make it as obvious that we're just trying to sideline this guy before the locker room obviously blows up even more than it already is going to. Like this is just a, this is a terrible situation right now for the Browns who are sitting at four and four and really aren't even close out of the playoff race. If we can get our act together, mm-hmm. it's just not a good look. This is terrible. The thing, the thing with this whole thing is that I, I still think that Odell is a good player. I just don't know if it's really going to work anymore. Like it's, it's very I, obvious. I, we, think, we've we're, had I think we're beyond two, that. Jack. We've had two and a half seasons. We, 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 we see, we see the, the samples. We see, we, we see the stats and it, it obviously just doesn't work. And you know what? That's fine. Sometimes things don't work. What I don't like is that we have him very obviously utilizing LeBron James and his social yeah. media presence and his dad and his Instagram, which is very clearly just a, a, essentially just a secondary conduit where he can just have plausible deniability. I didn't say that, but oh yeah, my dad who just doesn't ever really talk about this stuff ever is now suddenly talking about this right before the trade deadline. Like it's very obvious that this is what's happening. I wouldn't even be that upset about it if he had just gone to the front office and said, Hey, I don't think this is working out for either of us. Can you try to find me a trade partner and just, or just do something to make it so that I don't have to be on this team yeah. anymore? And if he go had done that, as, go in as a professional and say, "Hey, let's handle this internally." I do not and it's want a, this leaking out because that's what the fancy was trying to do. You can yes, tell ex- that's exactly. what the organization was trying to do. And, and it's, the, uh, it's, it's additionally because. It's funny because he hasn't had any issues before. We haven't ha- heard him have any sort of, you know, outlashing against his teammates, have any drama in the locker room. Like, even when he was playing bad in 2019, like, sure, we had the whole come and get me thing, but that was completely just just fabricated just for, for just, you know, for media clicks. Mm-hmm. Th- this yeah. is much more direct and... In my opinion, it is like almost like sabotaging the locker room. And it, it uh, kind of like what you guys were saying, this makes a very tenuous situation for Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski because it came kind of out of nowhere, meaning they had no time to prepare to try to maybe move him in some sort of deal. And it made it so that, well, now we have him for the entire rest of the season or we cut him and he goes to wherever he wants. And that gives us off a bad, uh, a bad, you know, locker room presence. Cause it's like, Oh, Hey, if you don't like being here, you can just, you know, cause an issue and we'll cut you. And then you can go and do whatever you want. Uh, I, I, I don't know what they do here. I think that if, if we're being realistic, what they're going to do is Kevin Stefanski is going to try to talk to Odell, try to talk to Baker, try to figure out what the issues are, maybe try to get Odell's input on the offense and try to, you know, create some sort of, of happy time for everyone where he, tr- where he acts like he's trying to fix the issues. And I don't know if I don't, I doubt we're, we're, we're going to move him or cut him uh, before the end of the season, because I just don't think that that's the way that NFL teams work. I don't think they do what they want to cut him and then have him go to an AFC team. I, this is just like the worst case scenario for, for Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski, who up to this point were, were building a culture of professionalism in the, in, in this locker room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What I don't like about this is exactly what Zach's talking about, man. This is just so passive aggressive. This is what a kid in high school does when he doesn't want to break up with his girlfriend. And he has a bunch <laughs> of his friends like privately talking out there that, that he wants to dump, that he wants to dump her and rumor goes around and then it gets back to her. And then, and then it breaks yep. up that way. OBJ is handling this seriously like a child. Instead of, like you said, just going to the front office, just p- requesting a trade, just trying to find a common ground there. Instead, he's having his dad do all this. And I don't like the saying, well, you can uh, – I wouldn't be able to control my dad and what he posts. Yeah, yeah, you can. O- OBJ knows exactly what he's doing here because his dad had this posted last night 
and it's still up. If he really wanted this gone, it would have been deleted by now. You really think LeBron James just randomly woke up this morning and decided to tweet about OBJ and the Cleveland Browns? I don't think so. A- after a few days ago saying how much of a Browns fan he was. Yeah. So, I mean, this is oh, all completely but now, now let, let's, let's destroy the team. Yeah. Like, oh. don't don't give me this, you know? Uh, don't, of don't LeBron's give me so-called Odell. favorite it's team. It's not Odell. What I, what I would seriously do at this point, I think you have to play some on IR. And it's legit because it looks like OBJ is going to end up needing shoulder surgery. So, I think you can do that. I think you just have to get him out of this locker room. You have to get him away from this team because right now he's a cancer. He was a cancer in New York. The same exact thing was happening. The same exact thing. And people from New York tried to tell us, and we kept ignoring it. We kept blowing it off. We kept acting like, oh, this isn't who he is. But he's often injured, lack of production, bad relationship with a quarterback. He had a bad relationship with Eli Manning, who probably will be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Still wanted out. And that's exact. everything that happened in New York is happening here in Cleveland. And that body language on Sunday from OBJ tells it all. Baker Mayfield's pumped after a run. OBJ could care less. Garrett Johnson scores a touchdown. OBJ could care less. You're just seeing some body language right now you don't want to see. And OBJ is a can- – Odell Beckham Jr. is a cancer to this organization right now. And you have to deal with it. You're not going to be able to just go and talk to him and try and calm him down. This is not going to get better. It's not – people are like, well, you go out and run on Sunday. It fixes everything. You're really telling me you think that this team right now with everything going on can go out and get a win? With everything going on right now, OBJ not getting the ball, I, I just don't see it. You have to put him on AR. You have to get him away from this team. That, that's truly the only solution I have because it's been reported and, from ESPN that he wants out of Cleveland. Like, he wants out of here. So, at this, why do you want a guy in your building that doesn't want to be here? I, I don't. I don't like players like that. I don't want a guy who doesn't want to be a part of my organization. No matter what the circumstances are, why would we want someone like that when we're trying to create a positive atmosphere, change the culture of the last 20 years here in Cleveland? Why do we want a guy who doesn't want to be here? I, I just think you, exactly. I, you have to find a way to get him away from this locker room. That's what I firmly believe. If you guys wanted this to get even weirder, this whole situation, Jarvis Landry posted a YouTube video, and it's him, OBJ, Hollywood, and Baker playing Call of Duty together. <laughs> Today. <laughs> Today. Like, not, not even an hour ago. Oh man, life is really weird, isn't it? But what if this was all a smoke screen, guys? What if this was all a setup from the? What Browns? if this was all? What if this was all just an elaborate prank to to really just set up the Zach Taylor led Bengals for for just like them <laughs> letting their guard down, and then we just trounce them yeah. by thirty points, like just some. Just, this is some real like, uh, like psychological oh, the Browns are warfare. Falling apart, yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> like they, like look. I, Next week we, we we guess what? Winning solves everything. If we start winning, all this stuff goes away. Everybody knows that. No one's gonna question this. Shit. Everyone's just gonna be like, "Oh, well, uh, we won." So what happened last week? I don't care. I don't remember. We're four, we're we're five and four now, and we're second in the division. Like no one cares. So I mean, just win. That's really Dwayne all it is. Dwayne Bow wouldn't know what that is like. Dude, Dwayne Bow can, can should <laughs> honestly oh, yeah. not be allowed that? to talk ever. The audacity. The, 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 the audacity. Aud- the dude took all guys nine to mil to catch five footballs. Wow. Of all guys to speak, <laughs> Dwayne Bow, the guy who's the biggest waste oh, of money in Cleveland, in Cleveland sports, Dwayne Bow. But 
some other stats here with Odell Beckham Jr. As a giant, they were 25 and 34 with him on the football field. So, so the guy who was having great numbers in New York made a fantastic one-handed catch that we still hope we're going to see one day again, that OBJ. He went 25 of 34 when he was with the Giants. So that's one That's one stat I wanted to bring up. But there are a couple others. He still leads the team in targets at 34. The next closest is Austin Hooper at 28, which to this day, that blows my mind. But another one, Baker in 2020 with Odell Beckham Jr. He had a 60% completion percentage, six yards per attempt, um, about 1,100 yards, 10 touchdowns, seven interceptions, 81 0.86 quarterback rating. Baker in 2020 without Odell, 246 three uh, out of um, 387 attempts, 63.6 percentage, 7.85 yards per attempt, nearly 3,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, two interceptions, 101.73 QBR. <laughs> and then Baker in 2020 without Odell, but with normal weather games in the NFL wide receiver room and only the regular season. This includes postseason as well. He was 138 complete, completions out of 169, 196 attempts, 74 completion percentage um, with nine yards per attempt, 1,700 yards, 16 touchdowns, one interception, 122.51 QBR. At some point, it's just obvious it doesn't work. I don't know why, why it took the front office this long really to understand that because John Costco tweeted out that the Browns – front office needed to have a contingency plan in place in case Baker and OBJ didn't work out on the field like they hoped and they didn't. And now we're at a breaking point. So, and, and he brings up a good point and I kind of agree with this. Are, are we all kind of shocked that, that we uh, expected it to work out given all the evidence that we have seen in data analytics that is pointing to Baker Mayfield being a top 10 quarterback without Baker, without OBJ on the field. It's, it's not that we're shocked. I think we all just wanted it to work out. We all just wanted it. We all knew that that Odell was good, and we all knew that you know Baker played extremely well last year. And we all assumed that oh, there's there no way it was attached to you know Odell not being there. We all thought it was just you know finally the, the Stefanski system you know just being put in place. Finally, you know the it all just kind of working out. And we thought oh well, if you add back that vertical threat, it'll be fine. But obviously now there it, it's. It's no longer just like a weird conspiracy theory that Skip Bayless and all these media personnel are just talking about, just to you know, you know, grind up some some sort of uh, viewership and you know, trade talk. It's now a real thing. I think we all can you know finally you know stop putting to the side and acting like it's it's just a conspiracy because it's a it's definitely not something that can be debated anymore. So Zach, do you think us as fans were we? more so kind of delusional like we we could see based off the numbers it wasn't working out but like jack said we were just holding out hope is that what you would say how this kind of all worked out we were holding on to hope but we were kind of being delusional on the fact that the numbers backed up that it just wasn't working yeah i mean the thing is the weird thing about okay so here, here's i was talking to someone because i have you know buddies on twitter that are huge obj guys and you know, anti-Baker. So I try to calmly talk to them. The one thing I told them was two, 2019, we had Freddie Kitchens. That was a debacle. And then last year, as soon as the offense starts to pick up, OBJ went out with an ACL injury. So this year now, of course, Baker has his shoulder injury and Odell is playing through a random AC joint injury now that he all of a sudden has. So it's just, it's just, yeah, we could say, oh, we're holding on to hope to see them work out, but we really haven't seen them 100% healthy. 
healthy or on the same page at all. So I, I don't know. I just don't even know what to expect because it's. I don't think we're going to see it again next year to, to see if it would ever work out. I just think it's going to be the kind of what-if situation in Cleveland. I don't know what you, how you guys feel. I, I personally, I don't think we should see it again this season if this team really wants to have a chance at the playoffs right now. The thing is with that, yeah, I understand. The thing is with that, like, I'm not worried about replacing OBJ because Baker can, you know, make anyone a target. He's proven that. Oh yeah. The thing I'm worried about. The thing I'm worried about is is Baker going to be able to still play good without OBJ while being injured? That mm-hmm. that will be the telltale sign right there because is Baker's injuries truly holding him holding him back that much? Maybe we'll find out on Sunday. Again. That's what I'm saying. We don't There's know. There's a strong possibility we do, we don't see OBJ in the Browns jersey again. There's a strong strong possibility that's that's what's going to happen. Yeah. So definitely want to uh, really keep keep up to date with Twitter because Coach Stefanski will address the media. But also, if OBJ practices, if they announce he's on IR, there's a number of ways this thing could go. He more than likely won't be just outright cut. And before. We move on from all this, and we're on to Cincinnati. Who would be your window of opportunity player of last week, presented by Jack Scott, renewal by Anderson? Uh, uh, I'm going with I'm going first because I don't want you guys to steal. Yeah, it. yeah, 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 yeah. All right, Greg Newsom, baby. Greg Newsom, 100. percent That kid is stepping up. That kid is looking solid. I'm happy he's here because he's actually kind of staying on the field as a cornerback. So, Greg Newsom. I, I gotta go with him. Yeah, I like that pick. Uh, I, I I have to go I with Malik it. McDowell uh, because I mean Malik McDowell is just he he's again he's just showing that he is a solid, uh, reliable defensive tackle in this league. Or and I mean honestly, the fact that we you know kind of picked him up uh, off we agency and he's come in and he's just done nothing but produce. I mean, I can't say it enough. The dude is, is a monster. He, he sacked big Ben last week. He, he was making plays in the backfield all day. Uh, I mean, I, I just, this, the sky's the limit for this guy. He can only get better. And rubbing his nuts on big Ben's face. <laughs> that was more satisfying as well. <laughs> but for, for me, I, Again, I have to give it to Baker Mayfield. The guy is playing with a torn labrum and in his non-throwing shoulder, a fracture, pretty much a fractured humerus bone. Still goes out there, doesn't turn the ball over. Had his team with a chance to win if some playmakers could have delivered for us. So for me, it's definitely got to be Baker Mayfield. I'm going to give the and I hate to do this, but I'm going to give the window opportunity player to uh, to Ben Worthlessberger for surviving another Whoa. game. Boo! Boo, that's Boo no. this man. Right. Comes player, bro. Okay, Muted. dude. Oh my god. So, and on and of course su- on that surviving, off- for surviving another game in the NFL. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And on that awful note, we are moving on to Cincinnati. We will preview the Browns and Bengals next on the Feeling Dangerous podcast. It's already November, and you know what that means? Turkey mashed potatoes, and stuffing, but most importantly, getting ready for those Black Friday deals. And don't wait, because our friends at Renewal by Anderson are having a month-long Black Friday sale. From now until November 29th, buy one, get one 40% off all windows, patio, and entry doors. $50 off each unit with zero money down, zero monthly payments, zero interest for two whole years. That's a crazy good savings. Don't pass up on this deal. Get your Black Friday savings in early by calling Jack Scott today at 
6224. That's 440-226-6224. Again, this offer ends November 29th. The Feeling Dangerous podcast here is brought to you by Exogun. Ever do a workout and feel like you need a massage after? Well, get your massage without leaving the house. Don't let the pain and soreness slow you down. Exogun revives muscles, boosts circulation, and releases energy so you can recover faster and live better. Take it wherever you need it, at work, the gym, the trail, and put the power percussion massage treatment in your hands. It's portable, adjustable, and powerful. Exogun is trusted by the pros to deliver the ultimate in recovery. Like we said before, you can even use it for percussion therapy. What is percussion therapy? Percussion therapy boosts muscle function and recovery by penetrating deep into the muscle tissue with a series of rapid, concentrated, pulsating strokes. Gain back control of your body and achieve long-term pain relief with Exogun. Get 10% off with the code CGS10 at checkout. Comes with a charger and carrying case. Get your Exogun today and treat yourself to a massage at a moment's notice. Welcome back to the Feeling Dangerous podcast. We are on to Cincinnati, and I expect Coach Stefanski to say that multiple times before the game on Sunday with all the drama that's going on <laughs> going on in Cleveland right now. But, boys, we are playing the Cincinnati Bengals this week, 5-3, and 3-2 three, three and two of the, in the division. They did lose a surprise game to the Jets on Sunday in New York to the two and now two and five Jets. They lost to a backup quarterback that had 300, I'm um, high bad, 405 yards and three touchdowns. It's, it Don't should be a good game. Mike White like that. Huh? Yeah. Madden generated quarterback, Mike White. <laughs> yeah. Don't disrespect Mike White. Western, like West, he, he, Western he Kentucky only threw for 300. You're trying, you're trying to say he only threw for 305 yards. Get out of here. Yeah, th- that that's my bad. But either way, I mean, he is a backup quarterback, and I'm sure the Bengals weren't expecting him to perform that well. But it's going to be a um, really tough game on Sunday, Cincinnati against the Browns. Our second second straight AFC North opponent, Joe Burrow, that offense. They have the weapons. Uh, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, C.J. Ozuma has really come on for them, and T. Higgins. How would you guys do on trying to shut down this off? Not necessarily shut down, but contain this offense, given all the weapons that they possess. Who would you really single out as trying to slow down a little bit? I mean, it's got to be Jamar Chase. Exactly. The the guy is absolutely explosive. I mean, he's having one of the best rookie campaigns of any wide receiver in NFL history. I mean, obviously, we we all remember Justin Jefferson had a great year last year. This is basically the very similar to that, if not maybe a little better. I mean, the guy has an incredible explosive playmaking ability. He can catch the ball. I, I, funnily enough, everyone thought that, oh, he's going to be bad because he, he couldn't catch the ball in preseason. That was obviously just a fluke because uh, the guy is, I mean, what? He has like 700 yards, something absolutely insane, sure. like like eight yeah. touchdowns. Like I mean, the guy, the guy can make plays. He's the guy that you got to really target because other than, uh, other than the fact that he's Joe Burrow's favorite target. He's also the guy who can is most likely going to take the top off of you. I agree with you 100. percent Yeah, I do too. I think it's also very important. I think it's important every game. I think you got to just try to limit Joe Mixon. He's also been very good against the Browns in years past, but he only had 14 carries for 33 yards. And it t- I mean, he had a touchdown on Sunday against the Jets, but only 2.4 yards a carry. So I think if you can really take him out of the equation, you can kind of sit 
now not sit back, but you can be more prepared for that passing game that Joe Burrow and the Bengals have, at least take away one of their weapons that they have on offense. Because Joe Mixon's a huge part of that offense too. If you can somehow at least limit him in the running game on Sunday. And I'm not really worried about that as much. I'm not really worried about that as much just because, you know, I really do trust our, our run defense. I'm just more worried about Jamar Chase, T Higgins and Boyd because that might be one of the best wide receiver rooms in the AFC North. So I think it's probably one of the best wide receiver rooms in the NFL to be quite arguably could be arguably could be. Yeah. And, and it, and their defense has some pretty solid options. I mean, Jesse Bates, a third, he's one of the top safeties in the league. They added Trey Hendrickson, Sam Hubbard, Larry O. Larry O is now starting for the Bengals. Larry Ogunjobi on that defensive line. Mike Hilton added him from Pittsburgh. The Bengals have huh. and, uh, uh, Azui. I, I pronounced that name completely wrong, but at least I tried. <laughs> they <You> have – and Von Bell. I mean, oh, and Logan Wilson, actually, their leading tackler at linebacker. The Bengals have some very solid pieces on defense. The Browns' offense has looked out of sync. That's pretty much putting it nicely so far. On Sunday, do you expect anything really to change? Do you expect the offense to still look out of sync? What are you guys expecting the offense to look like on Sunday? I expect the offense to look better if we don't have Oda Beckham Jr. at this point. This game, this game right here. I mean, I mean, it's a it's a second, you know, it's a second division game of the, of the season. Right, right. I mean, the Pittsburgh game was our first division game, and so this is our second division game of the season. So we still have an opportunity to keep ourselves, uh, you know, in in a position where we want to be and in second place in the division, um, in terms of getting getting ready, for, um, in, or or at least putting ourselves in a position for potential playoffs if we win this game on Sunday. So, so with all the crap that we've that we've talked about in terms of being out of sync and, you know, uh, and, and not, you know, and not working well. I mean, that can, that can all turn, that can all turn around with a solid performance. It's still going to be off, even if they don't have OBJ, but, but I think, but I think this is the game right here where uh, coach Stefanski can kind of prove, you know, what, what kind of culture does he actually have in that locker room? Is this team going to completely go off the rails or, or try to, or, or get themselves back on the rails because this is the week to do it. There's always been a quote that uh, that Stefanski actually talked about, especially last year, where he says, like, good teams always respond well to adversity. And obviously there's a lot of adversity now. Now, usually that adversity is coming from outside. It's coming from just, you know, poor play overall. But obviously now we're seeing a lot of internal uh, background adversity in terms of just drama between the players. And obviously the offense is also, you know, not performing up to our expectations. So uh, I, I think that this has to be a game where, where they come out and they have to really, you know, play like they want that, like they want it more than the other team, the Bengals really are starting to see, you know, maybe playoff aspirations and, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, making a run. Uh, and we really need to go in there and be the hungrier team. That leads us. That leads us into our predictions. So, who you guys got on Sunday? Browns and Bengals. One team dealing with a lot of drama and coming off a loss. The other team coming off a game they really should have won. So, where are you guys at? Who do you have winning? I, listen, I I am the eternal optimist. I will all. I will never, unless there is a very specific 
uh, you know, reason to believe that they will lose. I will never, I will never go against the Browns winning because I do believe that they have the talent. I think that the Browns defense will still be able to perform. I think that hopefully we'll get Denzel Ward back. Hopefully, uh, our our defense will be all mostly healthy. Well, of course, mine is JOK, and we'll we'll see. You know, still a solid outing where they're going to maybe limit the the run game and also you know maybe try to at least. Uh, shut not shut down, but can't contain Jamar Chase. Not let him get any of those big chunk plays. Um, and hopefully, uh, Nick Chubb is feeling you know closer to 100 this week. Hopefully, uh, Blake Hans gets more time to practice, so our offensive line is a little bit healthier, and they're able to uh, contain a, a much easier task of containing the, the 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 pass rush of the Bengals. Even though it's much better than years past, it's still not anywhere near as good as the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I'm expecting this to be a, a rather grinded out kind of game. And I'm going to say that the uh, Cleveland Browns are going to win 28 to 24. Oh, nice. Awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm putting all the positivity. Optimistic. Yeah. I'm, I'm putting the Paul, the positivity at the yeah. start that way. Cause I, I have Jack. a feeling positive. I, Jack. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad you started off with that, you know, but I'm going to have to kill you, you here. Who kidnapped? Uh, who kidnapped Jack? Is what is what I want to know. Huh? <laughs> I mean, in ter- no, no, no. When it comes to predictions, Jack's good. When in it comes terms to of predictions. in terms of I mean, but in terms of positivity, in terms of the the de- the defense. I mean, I mean, obviously the defense has played has has gotten better, but I'm I'm still just surprised to see any positivity in terms of the defense from Jack. But anyway, go ahead. Well, be worse. The key <laughs> word there was optimistic. So. His key word was optimistic, but I'm going to, I'm going to say that too. If the defense steps up, I definitely think it is still a winnable game for the Browns. We are still a talented football team, but this, this Bengals team is on a roll. So I'm going to try to be realistic this week. I'm going to go Bengals 28 Browns seven. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going Bengals. Me too, Pete. I'm, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going Bengals 30 Browns 17. Oh, I think the Browns, this is truly the crossroads of the season right now. I think if without all the Odell Beckham Jr. drama that there is, you lose this game, I think things really go downhill for the team. I also Mm -hmm. believe if you lose this game, you're not making the playoffs. I I just think it's that type of game, especially with having to go to New England, who have proven that they are a contender in the AFC. I I think that the Browns, they're going to come out on Sunday. I think they're going to start off pretty well like we normally do on that first drive. And then from there, it's kind of going to fade a little bit because after that, things aren't scripted. I think the Browns are going to lose on Sunday. Uh, I'm going to put it that the Bengals are going to score 28 points. The Browns are going to score 10. And at this point, it's kind of hard for me to say the Browns are going to score anymore. I mean, the offense does not look good uh, with all the drama. Uh, unless, again, like I said, OBJ maybe um, gets put on injured reserve and is away from the team. I don't see things really improving on offense right now. It, it's hard. It's hard to be positive regarding this team because right now you want to, they have all the talent in the world still, but this is not a playoff team. And we have to just look in the mirror and realize that the talent's there. The execution's not playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs. Want to win a game. Yeah, exactly. Same here. And of course, before we end the show, want to make sure we um, go around the NFL and just give scores from this past week of football. The Packers beat the Cardinals 24 to 21. The Panthers beat the Falcons 19 to 13. Bills beat the Dolphins 26-11. 49ers beat the Bears 33-22. Eagles beat the Lions 44-6. Titans beat the Colts 34-31 in overtime. Lost star running back Derrick Henry uh, for the season due to a foot injury. 
The Rams beat the Texans 38 to 22. They also acquired uh, defensive end Vaughn Miller from the Denver Broncos before the trade deadline for a second and third round pick in this year's NFL draft. The New England Patriots beat the Chargers in Los Angeles 27 to 24. Seahawks beat the Jaguars 31 7. Broncos beat the Washington football team 17 to 10. Saints beat Tom Brady and the Buccaneers 36 to 27. Unfortunately, they lost quarterback Jameis Winston to a torn ACL and MCL damage. He is out for the season. Cowboys beat the Vikings 20 to 16 with backup quarterback Cooper Rush. And to round it out on Monday night, the Chiefs bounce back and beat the Giants 20 to 17. And that'll round out the NFL scoreboard for the week. Remember, guys. Be sure to listen to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Give us that five-star review. We are also on iHeartRadio, so be sure to subscribe to the show there and follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at FDPodcastCLE. We are also a part of the Couch Guys Sports Network, and you'll want to check them out for even more Browns and NFL content. Remember, if you need the best replacement windows, call Jack Scott at Renewal by Anderson. They've been Ohio's window and replacement experts for over 117 years. Call Jack today for a free consultation at 440-226-6224. That's 440-226-6224. We're the Feeling Dangerous Podcast, and we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you for tuning in. Music disclaimer, Mockingbird by Eminem, copyright 2004 by Sony ATV Publishing. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous.